Well, good evening. It's great to be here with you all. I just would like to say a quick uh, word about the video. So that video we put together as like an update for our supporting churches. Um, in 2022, we were praying about uh, buying property. And as we were looking, uh, I kind of just given up because property was real expensive. And um, I got a call from someone here in the U.S. and they said, pastors wanting to know if you have any special needs. And so I said, well, we're trying to raise money to buy property. And he said, okay, great. He never said anything else. About two months later, I get a phone call from him. And he said, I just want to let you know we just finished our vacation Bible school. And um, we set a record as far as the penny march. We raised almost $9,000. And you're the missionary you want to send the money to. And so immediately, uh, overwhelmed, I began looking again for property. And uh, the Lord led us to that property that you saw in the video. So those were pictures from when we bought it and what it is today. And we were able to buy that property for $33,000. And that is just all to the Lord. And uh, we begin construction in uh, September of 2022. And in February 2024 or 2023 is when we opened that building. We had almost 100 in attendance that first day. And we had um, the contractor that did most of the work. Him and his family came. Uh, no one accepted uh, Christ as Savior. But what an opportunity we had uh, just to uh, be a light there in our neighborhood. And since we've been there, the church has actually grown in attendance. Um, we're getting visitors almost every week. Um, I was in Argentina just uh, three weeks ago, and in just a two-week time, we had seven visitors come to church. And out of those seven visitors, five of them have come back on a regular basis. And so just to give you an update on that video, um, we are in the city of Bahia Blanca. Bahia Blanca is a city of about 350,000 people. And we would be the only independent fundamental Baptist church there. And so God called my family and I to that city in 2016. We moved there, started really without uh, any contacts. Um, so we started in December, which December there is summertime. And we're kind of a beach town. We got a beach just within an hour from us. And so in December, it's ghost town. I mean, everybody's school's out, everybody's already on vacation, and I knew God wanted us to start in December. And so our very first service, God gave us four people in the morning and four people at night, and today we're running about 35 people, and uh, our largest attendance is on Sunday night, uh, totally opposite of what you guys are used to here. Normally, you know, you preach a salvation message Sunday morning or you expect all your visitors to show up Sunday morning. Well, they like to sleep in in Argentina. So uh, if you like to sleep in, come join us in Argentina. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have, uh, we have about 35 people on Sunday night. And just excited about what the Lord is doing. As Pastor already mentioned, we really weren't planning this furlough. In fact, uh, we really wanted to stay, but the Lord was just bringing us back here for uh, surgery on my daughter. And so I would ask that you would pray for her as she recovers, pray for the work in Argentina. 
and just that the Lord would continue to bless. So just a little bit about me. I did grow up as a missionary kid in Argentina. So, um, you know, I already learned Spanish as a, as a young kid and uh, already knew the culture. My wife, uh, born and raised there. And so a lot of it was like going back home. You know, one advantage of being a missionary kid and going back to the field, you already know the language. So, you know, learning a language, especially if you're older, is kind of kind of difficult. And so we have a missionary family working with us and they learn language at an older age. And I always like to pick on him because he he got a couple things confused when he first got there. Uh, He was always trying to tell people he was a missionary and that he came to establish churches. So he couldn't remember the word for missionary, which is misionero. So he was telling people, soy millonario. It's like, I'm a millionaire. Okay? You never tell people that. <laughs> and then he couldn't remember the word to establish, which is um, fundar. Well, he used the word fundir, which means to put under. So he was telling people, I'm a missionary, and basically I came to destroy churches. Uh, so uh, I'm thankful I learned Spanish as a young boy. I'm sure I made my mistakes, but it's just easier to pick on somebody else, right? All right, well, let's open up our Bible tonight. Thank you so much, Pastor Pierre, for the opportunity to be here and to share what God has put on our heart. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter number 10. I ask you to go ahead and stand, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter number 10. And we'll begin reading in verse 25. Now, the reason we're going to read 25 is just to kind of, it leads up to the story we're going to be dealing with. And if we're truly going to understand the text, what we need to deal with verse 25, 26, and 27. All right, so let's look at verse 25, Luke chapter number 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. So now we're going to jump right into the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, verse number 29 and on. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, and likewise a Levite. And when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast. 
and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Verse 37, he's going to reply. And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, be in your house tonight. Lord, on a Sunday night, thank you for the great group that is here. Thank you for the opportunity just to share a little bit about what you're doing in Argentina. And Lord, we continue to pray for Argentina. Continue to pray for missions all around the world. Lord, as many uh, don't know you as our Lord and Savior, many have never heard the name Jesus. Lord, I do pray that you would use me tonight to deliver your message. And Lord... Help us to understand our responsibility as believers to care for the lost. No matter color, no matter their language, no matter their background, no matter, Lord, their location. Everyone needs to hear about you. Lord, I pray you'd help me to deliver this message. Help us to be attentive. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So before we really jump into the story of the Good Samaritan, we really need to understand what has led up to this story. So we understand that there is a lawyer, and this lawyer comes to Jesus with a very important question, a question that was of much debate during Jesus' time of much debate among the Jews, and even a question that depending on who you ask or who you talk to, would be a question of much debate, and that question is this, very simple. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? How can I be saved? How can I know for sure that I could have eternal life? So this was a very good question. Uh, but a question that the Bible helps us understand that the motives were wrong. Look down in verse uh, 25 again. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? So Jesus directly knew that this man's motives were wrong. And so he flips the question around and basically he says this, well, you're a man of the law. You're a man of understanding. Why don't you tell me what the law says? And so here you have this man that is going to tell Jesus what the law says, but we need to understand this. Jesus asked him this question, not because the law saves you and me, but because when we look into the law, it shows us our need of a Savior. When you look into God's law, 
When you read it, when you meditate upon it, it shows that you and me are wicked. It shows that you and me are sinners. It shows that you and me, no matter how good of a person we try to be, we still fall short of the glory of God and how much we need a Savior. So it, Jesus isn't trying to, or asking them this question because the law saves, but because the law shows us our need of a Savior. So now the lawyer is going to answer that question in verse 27. And he answering said. Now, I just want you to kind of picture in your mind. I think he's probably answering this kind of prideful. I think he's kind of like happy in a way that Jesus is asking him what the law says. Well, sure, Jesus, I'll tell you. I think he's kind of uh, prideful and be like, of course, Jesus, I know. Who doesn't know what the law says? So that's kind of my picture here when he's answering. And in verse 27, it says, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Notice in verse uh, 28, And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Man, his ego just went way up. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesus. I thought you would never uh, comment and tell me that I answered the law right. I, I could just picture maybe like that young boy in, in a Sunday school class when the teacher asks a question and, and maybe uh, they ask a question, you know, who built the ark? And, and the little kid raises his hand and he says, Noah. And the teacher says, great job, Johnny. And Johnny, what does he do? Starts smiling, right? He starts looking to make sure everybody knows that Johnny got the answer right. And, and that's how I picture this lawyer here. Jesus says, well, Jesus says, thou hast answered right. And I can just see him prideful and maybe patting himself on the back. But Jesus doesn't finish the, the response there. Now he says, this do and thou shalt live. Do what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And so now he's kind of caught in an awkward position. And in verse 29, it says, But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, Okay, Jesus, who's my neighbor? How am I going to love my neighbor as myself if I don't know who my neighbor is? So why don't you now tell me who my neighbor is? So that's when Jesus goes into this account or this story of the Good Samaritan. So let's begin our reading of the story. Verse number 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So there's this man. It's a Jewish man. This Jewish man is descending from Jerusalem to Jericho. This would have been a very busy road during those times. It was a road that would have been used in the Old Testament. It was a road that was used in the New Testament. It would have been used during Jesus' earthly ministry. This would have been a very dangerous road. As many of you know, anytime you go uh, through a mountain, there's a lot of curves. 
you know, around. And, and sometimes the edge is right there. It would have been a very dangerous road. It would have been a road that would have been perfect for someone to hide. And just wait for someone to be alone to jump out and take advantage of the situation. The Bible tells us that that's what happened in this story. This Jew, he fell among thieves. These, three, these thieves were violent. They stripped him of his raiment and they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So for illustration, I just want to use Andrew. Andrew, can I use you for a minute? Roxy, I'm going to use you for a while. Okay, so come up here, Andrew. Okay, so Andrew's going to be our Jew, okay? So I want Andrew just to lay here. Okay, so now... I'm the thief, I caught Andrew, and man, I stole all of Andrew's belongings, I took his money, and now I'm going to take his raiment, his garments. So man, I take his coat off, and I, I basically I leave him there without any clothing, and, and I begin to beat him so bad that the Bible says when these thieves left, Andrew's condition was half dead. Which basically means this, without some type of medical assistance... Andrew is going to die. If someone doesn't come by and help Andrew, it won't be long before Andrew is no longer around. You have to remember the setting. We're in a desert here. It's very hot. The sun is coming down. Uh, there's dirt. It's dusty. Uh, so Andrew is in uh, desperate need of someone to do something about his condition. So look at verse number 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So before we go into any details, the Bible says there's a priest. Well, who is a priest? It's important to understand this. A priest is a Jew. Andrew is a Jew. The priest would have been a very religious man. He would have been somebody like the lawyer who understood what the law said. He would have had a clear understanding that it was his duty, it was his obligation, it was his responsibility to help out a fellow brethren in need. We could go back to the Old Testament and the priest even had an obligation to help out one's animals in need. So he, ha he knew what the law said. He spent a lot of amount of time in the tabernacle. So here is this priest. Now, more than likely, Andrew would have been kind of off the road a little bit. So the priest would have been up a little bit higher. And, and as the priest is coming, he turns the corner maybe. And man, he begins to see something. Right here, I can see the, the feet. And I begin to continue on my journey. And I begin to realize, hey, it's a person. Man, and so I get a little bit closer. Oh my goodness, look at this person, there's blood. And I begin to see that he's not aware of what's going on. And I know what the law says, but whatever the case may be, this priest failed to apply the law to his daily living. Amen. Maybe he was in a hurry. Maybe he was uh, 
late to get home or maybe he had an appointment uh, in our time we could say maybe he had a game that he had to go to or maybe he, he had some important business meeting but whatever the case you have this priest the man a uh, 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 spiritual leader we could say of the day that we would expect to help out this poor man and he did nothing about it heartless well let's continue reading And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, passed by on the other side. Okay, so you had the priest, did nothing about his understanding of the law. He failed to apply it to his life. Now you have a Levite who would have been under the priest who would have also had a very good understanding of the law. He would have known exactly his responsibilities, his duties. He would have known that if someone was hurt, he, he needed to go help them. And, and may I just say, it's kind of our natural tendency to want to help someone in need. Yes or no? If I'm in the grocery store and, and an old lady falls, I don't just say, oh, see you later and turn the aisle. Uh, what do I do? It's just a normal reaction. I would run to that lady and I would begin to make sure she's okay and I would help her up and I would, I would make sure that she's fine and she can continue on with her grocery shopping. Yes or no? Yes. So something is wrong with these people. They're not, only, they're not acting like normal people should and not farther, even further than that, they're priests and Levites, spiritual leaders, whom we just automatically expect to help out someone in need. I mean, they're not people that are ignorant of God's word. They would know what the law said. So automatically we say, man, these guys are going to help them. But both of these spiritual leaders failed to apply the law. The Levite did exactly the same thing. And if you're like me, you're probably a little angry at these people can't believe that these people failed to do what they knew was right. Heartless people. Andrew's probably going to die. It's getting later in the day. The sun is still beating upon him. He's in this condition that they, they obviously had to see that, that he's going to die if they don't do something about it. And so at this point, I'm very angry at the priest and I'm very angry at the Levite. But before I go any further, I have to say, hold on a second, David, because many times I'm just as guilty as the priest and the Levite. Why? Because I have a head knowledge of what the law says, I understand the law tells me to love everyone, but many times I pick and choose. Hey, what I'm saying is this, there's many people that are spiritually in a condition that are half dead. Meaning that without some kind of assistance, without someone helping them, pointing them, telling them uh, about Jesus Christ, then they are going to perish. And time is running out. We're, We're getting closer and closer to the end times. And more and more we hear of evil and wickedness. And we see things happening that we never would have thought of that would have happened in our day. And more and more it's pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ. And it can happen at any time. And many times I go about my life because I'm busy. I'm in a hurry. 
hurry. I got to make this activity and I got to be over there and I got to be over there and I got to be at this game and I got to be at the school activity that many times I fail to help out those that are spiritually half dead. Oh, I don't got time today. Oh, well, this person I don't like. Oh, well, they're mean to me, so I'm going to be mean to them. You following me? So Jesus has to use a Samaritan to help us to understand the context of this passage. Look at verse number 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Let's Who a Samaritan? A Samaritan would have been this guy's enemy. They weren't buddies. <laughs> so here, let's just say here's, uh, well, 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 John, before I go, John 4, 9 says this. Then sayest the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? Which am a woman of Samaria? Don't you know? <laughs> then she says, For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You're asking me a water? I'm a Samaritan? You're a Jew, Jesus? Well, you should know better than that because the Jews and Samaritans, we don't have dealings with one another. We're, we're not looking to have fellowship with one another. We're trying to avoid one another. You're my enemy. And so you got a picture now. So here's this Samaritan man. He's coming down. He sees someone down there. And, and, and he comes up even closer. And he sees his condition. Oh, he's a Jew. See you later. No. <laughs> he goes to him. He has compassion on him, the Bible says. And his compassion leads him to do three things. Number one, it leads him to the sacrifice of his time. He goes to him. Hey, man, you okay? Man, Andrew's not responding. What do I do? I'm in the desert. Let me pick up my phone and call 911. Oh, wait, I don't got a phone. <laughs> so what do I do? I know. I got oil and wine on my beast. So here he goes. He comes over here and he grabs his oil and his wine from his beast. And he's coming back down to this Jew. And he's pouring oil and wine all over him. And remember, his condition is bad. So man, it's probably taking a long time. And maybe he had to turn him over a little bit and even get his back and his neck and his legs. And man, okay, I finished. Now what? Oh, I got bandages. He probably needs them. So he runs back to his beast. And here he is. He's grabbing his, his bandages. And now he comes back to Andrew. And man, now he begins to wrap him. Great. Now he looks like a mummy. <laughs> man, now he's probably really hot. What do I do now? Hey, could I get some? I don't think there was a lot of people around. Okay, so he's going to load him on his beast. Now think about that. Beast is up here. Jew's down here. How am I going to get Andrew up there? There's nobody around. Well, there's only one way to do it. I'm just going to have to pick Andrew up. 
So here we go, Andrew. Okay. Oh. Man, Andrew. Okay, now I thought Andrew was light, but man, <laughs> I should have picked you. <laughs> so I think we're getting the ideal. It wasn't just like a walk in the park. Yeah, let me pick you up. Oh yeah, let's just go. I mean, I can imagine he's a grown man. I can imagine he probably 180, 190. To pick up a grown man that's not helping you isn't just going to take a few seconds. It took some time. Remember, he is half dead. So this man's compassion led him to sacrifice of his time. And later on, we see, he took him to the inn and he spent the whole night with him. Nobody wants to be with somebody all night that is in constant pain. Maybe the man is... Ah, more oil, more wine. All night with them. If you have kids, you know it's not fun when your kid's in pain all night. Thank the Lord for mothers, amen? Amen. But you understand. Number two, not only did he sacrifice of his time, he sacrificed of his goods. He sacrificed his wine. He sacrifices oil. He sacrifices bandages, knowing that along the way, maybe his beast would have fallen and gotten hurt, and he might have needed that oil, and might have needed that wine. He might have needed those bandages. Maybe a thief might attack him along the way. He didn't know what was ahead, but he saw a need, and he knew that he had to do something. So first off, his compassion led him to sacrifice of his time, and then it led him to sacrifice of his goods. You can be seated, Andrew. Man, he's comfortable up here. (laughs) But thirdly, look down at verse, well, let's just look at verse 34 to 35. It tells us, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. And gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So now he's going to sacrifice of his money, of his finances. Okay, I got him here. I got to continue on my journey now. Well, I'm going to go to the innkeeper and I'm going to give him two pence. Doesn't sound like much, does it? But really... A pence would have been a day's wages. So two pence would have been two days' wages. You make $100, it would have been $200. You make $500 a day, it would have been $1,000. You make $1,000 a day, it would have been $2,000. So we're talking some serious money. It wasn't just like a few pennies here to take care of this man. It was like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know this man. He, I know he's my enemy, according to you guys, but I understand that he is a person just like me that 
has maybe a family and we can say has a soul and he needs someone to have compassion on him and he needs someone to show mercy upon him and so I've already sacrificed my time and my goods but now I even want to sacrifice of my money so that he can get the attention needed so that he might can go back home to his family so that he can be back to normal and living a normal life as we could say and hey listen and if this isn't enough when I come back through here in a few days you let me know and I'm willing to give more why so this man who is my enemy can live a normal life everybody follow me so now in verse number 36 Jesus asked this question which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? I don't think the lawyer is like this. Uh, let me see, Jesus. Uh, the priest, uh, no. No, I think he knew right away. I think he was under conviction at this point. And he simply says, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Okay, you want to know who your neighbor is? I just showed you. Even your enemy is your neighbor. Even that person that you may not like, even that person that you may not get along with, even that person that may be in another country, even that person that may have a different background than you, a different culture than you, a different language than you, and uh, 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 a different uh, place than you, that person is your neighbor, and you have a responsibility to help out everyone in need. Amen. Not just those that you like. Not just the ones that make you feel good. Not just the ones that can benefit you. Not just the ones that are going to make you look good. You're supposed to love even that person that is unlovable. Don't be looking at nobody right now. (laughs) Some of you are kind of like out of the corner of your eye. You're supposed to love all. Basically, it's this. Don't only have a head knowledge of what God's word says, what the law says. Let that head knowledge become a daily living in your life. So let's boil it down. We know we're supposed to have compassion on the lost. We know we're supposed to help out those in need. We know that the law says we're to go into every nation and do what? Preach the gospel. We know that the law says that, that we're to go. And we also know that the law says we're to give. And we also know that the law says we're to pray. And the law says a bunch of things. That we have a head knowledge. But many times that head knowledge never gets to our heart. And we never apply it to our daily life. And, and as a missionary, I want to apply this to, to, to missions. Some may be thinking, what's the big deal about missions? Why do we give to missionaries? Why are we going to have a conference coming up in March? Why, why do we give our money? And why do missionaries go? And why do we have visitation and go out door to door and tell people about Jesus? And sometimes I don't like to go because 
The pastor doesn't go to very nice neighborhoods, if you know what I mean. And sometimes those people, man, they look creepy. And man, I don't know if I'm going to come out alive. And I just don't understand why the pastor does that. And we may not say anything, but deep down inside our heart, we don't understand and we're angry and we're questioning and we don't want to get involved. The reason we do that is because there's people that are spiritually half dead here and around the world that unless we do something about it, they'll perish and they'll spend eternity in a place called hell. It's not just about going to the places that everybody wants to go. Hawaii. It's not just about going to the beautiful state of Florida. It's about going to every nation. Even the nations that may seem hard. Even the nations that seem very difficult and challenging and where it may be very dangerous. Even right here in your town, you're to go to every home. Even those homes that are on the other end of town, you know what I mean? That you don't really want to go to. They're in the same condition as the person in this neighborhood. And many times, we have a head knowledge. Oh, I know I'm supposed to love them, but I would rather love them. (laughs) Oh, I know I'm supposed to give, sacrifice financially so that others can go, but let's let them sacrifice. Oh, I know I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to be a witness, but let somebody else do the job. Are you following me? And so Jesus basically just turns to this man and says, Go and do thou likewise. Show mercy. Show compassion. To even that person that you may not think needs you. Samaritan, be like the Samaritan. Are you willing to sacrifice of your time so that someone might hear the gospel? I'm not accusing, but I think it's a question worthy to ask and a question that I should even ask myself. How many times do I fail to sacrifice of my time? Because I have my own agenda and my own plans. And I know someone needs to be talked to But because I'm in a hurry, I just turn the back and go the other way. How many times has someone needed me to sacrifice maybe of goods? How about sacrificing financially so that those that God has called to go to the regions beyond can go? You know, it's easy to say that we have compassion on the lost. It's easy to be like the lawyer that we could quote scripture and we could stand up tall and we can be broad and stick out our chest and say, the Bible says to go to every nation and preach the gospel. It's easy to say that, but it's another thing to actually do it. The Bible says we're to give the missions. Amen, preacher. But it's another thing to actually get involved. Everybody following me? So the moral of the story is this. Let's not only have a head knowledge of what we know God's Word says, 
Let's not be another priest. Let's not be another Levite. Where people look at us and they become angry. Well, David Merlot, he says he knows the law. Man, but he's failing to apply it. Let's let people say, wow, David Merlot not only says he knows the law, but he's actually applying the law to his life. He's actually showing love, not only to those that can benefit him, but hey, he's showing love to even the unloving. He's showing love to even those over there that are outcast to many. May it be said of us, there's a person, there's a young man, a young lady that is completely sold out and they're sacrificing of their time, of their goods, and of their finances. Not so that they can get a pat on the back, but so that Jesus can be honored and glorified. And so those that are spiritually half dead, that in their present condition will probably die and spend eternity in a place called hell, can what? Can be restored to life in Jesus Christ can be born again. They may not look like much, but when Jesus gets a hold of them, their life is changed forever. And maybe some of you are thinking right now about how you got saved and how someone went to your door and how someone took the time and opened up the Bible and spent a lot of hours with you going through the Scripture and talking to you about your need and showing you how you were a sinner and how you needed Jesus. And maybe some of you are a product of missions. My wife is a product of missions. She wasn't saved in a Christian home. She didn't have the privilege that I had. And I'm so thankful that a missionary went to Argentina and why it wasn't popular and why the work wasn't growing like, like many would think. And, and it wasn't just like people were getting saved every week. And, and man, hundreds were, like, were, were being saved. I'm thankful that he was faithful to preach the gospel. And I'm thankful that there were people back home that were faithful in giving to the ministry of missionary Joe Martinez and I'm very thankful that he didn't lose the compassion for the lost and that he keep on sacrificing of his time every Sunday to be at church, to have a message ready and one day my wife walked in with her mom and God got a hold of their heart and they got saved because someone had compassion someone was faithful someone just didn't throw in the towel someone didn't say, oh these are Argentine people, they're just hard-headed. They don't want the gospel. Nobody's getting saved. No, they just kept on being faithful. And today, a whole family is saved. My father-in-law got saved after five years of praying for him. And now he's in the presence of God. Why? Because someone not only had a head knowledge of what God's word said, someone put it into action in their daily life. And not only the missionary. But those even back home that were praying, supporting, sending him to Argentina. Amen. Let me say, when someone gets saved in another country and you're involved in missions, that's fruit that abounds to your account. Amen. It's not just the missionary. It's fruit that abounds to your account. We're partners. In this I can't go without you and if you give you need missionaries to go it works together why so that people that are spiritually half dead can know that Jesus loves them and we can sacrifice our time our goods and our finances so they too can have eternal
life. How about you? You have a head knowledge? Many of us do. But are you applying this book, the law, to your daily living? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful story. Lord, I'm always convicted of how many times, Lord, I fail to apply what I know. I need to be reminded about my responsibility. I need to be reminded that I need to have compassion. And that my compassion should lead me to be willing to sacrifice, no matter the cost. Time, goods, and finances. Lord, there might be someone here tonight. I know it's Sunday night. But there might be someone here that has never truly trusted you as Lord and Savior. They may have a head knowledge of what God's Word says. And they may know that God's Word says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but through me. But yet they're still trying to depend on self. They're still trying to trust in the good works. And while they have that head knowledge, they've never truly accepted you as Lord and Savior. Lord, there may be somebody here tonight. They're saved. They've been saved for a long time. They know the scripture. But deep down inside, they know that they're not applying scripture to their daily living. Oh, they may be coming to church and they may be handing out a track here and there. But they're not truly being involved like you want them to be. So Lord, I pray that you would help them to do business with you. Help them to not only have that head knowledge, but apply it into their daily living. Lord, I pray that we can see more people saved here in Bridgeport, in Texas, in Oklahoma, and around the world. And that's only possible, Lord, when we're faithful to applying your word to our daily living, especially in the area, Lord, of telling, going, and giving. Lord, bless this invitation as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. If God has done with your heart, some have already come.